Well, it's good to have you here on your Rancher Radio. It's good to have you stop by. You'll notice that we also have a video version of this episode, and we're going to cover a whole range of topics this time on the Rancher Radio podcast. And- this episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. My name is Jim Watkins. I'm a longtime reader of the Arantia book going back to 1982. Um, it, uh, it is such a profound book that I've written not one, but I'm working on my second book, uh, which I'm still working on a title. Not, not convinced about the title, but uh, we're going to talk about it a little bit. As a matter of fact, the last, the last uh, podcast I had Joel Garbone on, and we talked a lot about UFOs and ETs and all that's going on with ancient aliens. You might recall, and if you haven't listened to it, I would encourage you to listen to it because it's a, a, it, it got me to think, rethink about our cosmic neighborhood because we know in the Arantia book, it does talk about specifically that we are in a system, and this system of worlds are to be inhabited. We are in line at number 606, and uh, the Arantia book says that at, at the present, or at least the time of the writing of the book, back in the mid-30s, that there were 619 inhabited worlds that make up the, uh, the system of Satania, of which we're a part. And um, we talk a lot about the universe at large, we don't go into the systems and all that too much. Maybe we should. But my, my point is is that the book is so profound that it opens the door to the idea that maybe the book, among its many reasons for being here, is to prepare us for that day when we may very well encounter life on another planet. Now, that's going to be a game changer. And certainly there's all kinds of speculation and conspiracy about what that means. We don't know what kind of life forms are out there, but the Arantia book does do a good job at telling us that there are different life forms all over the place. And there are a lot of mitigating factors that go into what a species eventually evolves into. And most of them have certain things in common, what I call the image of God. We're, we're upright. We're binary. We form languages. We have dexterity. We have eyes, ears, nose, smell. Uh, we have speech. Uh, the Arantia book says that some planets, their evolutionary world creatures emerge from, although it's rare, we're more in the moderate, normal, mid, mid-range, mid but you have some planets that are very, very unorthodox, and they may have people that evolve from uh, a, a bird ancestry. It doesn't mean that they are human birds, but I'm just telling you that the Arantia book is preparing us that not all worlds are the same, nor could they be. So I was so impressed with that interview with Joel that I decided to rewrite one of the chapters of my book, which I'm getting so close to completing, and I'm very excited about my book. And I, I'm cautiously optimistic that it will be better than my first attempt at writing the Arantia book. And I asked myself, why is it that I am determined to explain this book to so many people. I mean, in, in, in my other life, in my normal life, I'm not too concerned about what people believe. 
I've, I've adopted that everybody has to find their own way. Uh, the world will call them in whatever direction the world calls them in. And if God is part of their plan, then so be it. I have little, I can't control what other people believe. But because I find the Urantia book so profound, and because of the information that it is in it, and that I've studied it for four decades, I, it ha I haven't outgrown it. I've, I've outgrown so many things in my life. There are things that I thought I would do forever. Certain kinds of music that I loved when I was a teenager, not so much anymore. Uh, certain kinds of movies that I really enjoyed when I was a kid, today not so much. Uh, even people that I've met that I knew back then, you know, we're all different. We outgrow things. But the Arantia book has always stuck with me. Never a day goes by when I don't think about something that I've read or something that occurs in life. If I read an article and they talk about a new discovery in space, and I think, ah, the Arantia book, it talks about that. New medical discovery, ah, Arantia book, I remember them recalling about that. You know, the new thing in medicine is immunotherapy, which is something that has only recently been able to be practiced on such a wide scale, and it does great, tremendous efforts at uh, helping people uh, survive cancer, among other things. And the Arantia book very specifically says in one of its papers that it talks about one day we will learn how to use the body's own defense mechanisms to ward off diseases. That's pretty prophetic. And that's just one of thousands of things that have continued to come to my attention when I think about the Arantia book and what it says and the important information that it contains. It would be selfish for me, for me not to want to share this. How could I receive such a gift and not want to share it with people, even strangers? Uh, and so this is one of the ways that I've chosen to do that. If it gets you to a place that is stre less stressful, less anxious, uh, less irritating, more appreciative, more happy, more engaged, then that's, that's the purpose of, I think, living a spiritual life. And so that's why I'm making yet another attempt to write this book. And the book is, at the present, called The Gift of Revelation, How the Urantia Book Will Facilitate a New Spiritual Renaissance. And a little bit later on, I want to read to you from that paper uh, one of the sections that we just talked about, ETs. And I think you'll find it interesting. And I think also it will give you a, uh, a more appreciation of why the Arantia book and ETs might have some connection. And on that note uh, of recent, after I spoke with Joel, and I started watching these ancient alien TV shows that they have on History Channel, Take it. And um, I, I decided I wanted to go back and read about the Adamites and the Adam Sun uh, progeny, what happened to them after the second garden, after he left the second garden, and he went north to try to find uh, the, the Banites who had settled near Lake Ban. And this is like 30,000 years ago, something like that. And I, I my son years ago, it's you can't see it, it's back there. It's on a wall. It's a huge poster. And what it is, is a timeline of humanity. And it shows on each continent what was happening or what tribes were developing at 
those periods of time all the way up to the modern age. Pretty interesting. Uh, and I, I did some research, and what I found was here are the 10 oldest civilizations and their locations based on historical records. Now, the Sumerians outpace everybody, and we're going to read a little bit about the Sumerians in just a minute. And they were around, according to at least our modern uh, methods, uh, around 4500 B.C. That's when we start to see the appearance of the Sumerians uh, in Mesopotamia. And also around that time, perhaps even a little bit later, are the Indus Valley Civilization, which is located today in India and Pakistan, so northwest India. Then we have the ancient Egyptian civilizations, which showed up around 3,000, 3,100 B.C., and they're located in modern-day Egypt. Then we have the Shang Dynasty, which originated around 2,000 B.C., uh, and we see lots of clues to their existence in modern-day China, North China. And then we have the Minoan civilization, which came along around 2700 B.C., so slightly older than the Shang, and they are located in the island of Crete. And it is this particular group that went on to become part of the early Greek civilization. So we have these uh, five. I've only mentioned five. There's, there's five others, but those are the key five oldest civilizations. And when you read about the Andites in paper 78 and you read about the Sumerians and how they came to be, and when you read also about uh, Adam's son and the Nodites and how the Andites dispersed themselves around the world during that time around 10,000 B.C., you start making a connection between Adam's son and his progeny and the Urartians. The Urartians are one of the oldest religious groups uh, found in that area. Urartians are a group of people that existed in eastern Iraq. They had a very progressive uh, religion. The Akkadians are another group. The Akkadians were, were run by a man by the name of Sargon. Sargon is mentioned in the Urantia book, and he was the leader of this one-time group. Now, the Urantia book says that the, the Adamsonites and the Adamites, this, the direct progeny of Adam, began to migrate away from the second garden, which is in the valley of the Euphrates and the Tigris River. That's where the second garden was. And it was taken over by various uh, barbarian tribes, nomadic tribes, among them the what later turned out to be the Akkadians. So you can look at all of the old uh, civilizations, and it's kind of my point, and you can trace them back to the various centers of civilization that the Urantia book outlines having occurred between, say, 10,000 and 5,000 B.C. And right as the trail ends on the Andites and the Adamites and the Nodites and then the later Andites, who are the amalgamation of the Adams progeny and the Nodite progeny, which is, by the way, what makes up most of Europe and Western Asia, is the Andites, the remnants of the Andites. The Sumerians were the last of the Andites in the Mesopotamian region. And you can trace all of these ancient world civilizations back to these superhuman, supermortal beings, these beings who were sent here by our spiritual 
uh, overseers, if you will, our administrators, the most highs who rule in the kingdoms of men. And these were the precursors to the later appearance of Melchizedek among the Sumerians. And then you have, of course, the priests of Melchizedek, the Salem teachers who went about and their influence later on, and then the appearance in the 6th and 5th century of all these spiritual, uh, sort of a spiritual renaissance that occurred among the Chinese, among the Tibetans, uh, among the Egyptians, and they all sort of had revelations at about the same time. And uh, that's where we get Taoism, that's where we get Buddhism, that's where we get Zoroastrianism. And these can be traced back to the Melchizedek revelation. And Melchizedek, of course, mentioned in the Bible as the sage of Salem, without mother, without father, without pedigree. And, uh, in fact, Jesus uh, is one time referred to on the order of the Melchizedek. So there were a powerful group of teachers. If you read the Urantia book, you're very well aware of this. So all of this is about, really, the fascination with our history. But we're talking about the history of humanity. And the Arantia Book writers uh, tell us that during these processes, civilizations rise and civilizations fall. And one of the reasons that I started to write my second book, which is coming out soon, is because before 2017, a lot of things did not happen or had not happened. There was no Donald Trump. Uh, there was no... COVID, there was no pandemic or shutdown or supply chain madness, uh, there wasn't uh, Black Lives Matter, there wasn't George Floyd, there wasn't a war in Ukraine uh, that has involved Europe and the United States, uh, there wasn't such a heightened distribution of pornography, totalitarianism wasn't something that was something you thought about in 2015. But you'd heard about things like China's social credit score and how they were, you know, basically selling this technology. And all the while, we're developing our own that will probably start being implemented. And I started to think that, and then, of course, you know, my good friend Joshua, who Joshua Wilson from um, down in uh, the Tucson area, he writes to me that he is going to go see this movie, which is called uh, The Sound of Freedom which I plan on going seeing. And I might actually do a, a prologue if I go see it today. But the point is, is that there's a lot of bad things going on in the world that almost didn't seem to exist before 2017. This contention, this battle. I'm not saying Trump is bad, by the way. I'm just saying that the vitriol on both sides has really escalated to a point where people don't even talk to each other anymore. And then, of course, we have these, our personal tracking devices, Right. And so uh, he sends me a note from a quote from the Urantia book, which is paper 173, uh, section 1.11, so paragraph 11. And it's about the cleansing of the temple. And this is sort of is a metaphor for why I have decided to try yet again to try to explain to my friends, my Christian friends, my non-believing friends, uh, the people who listen to this podcast, uh, people who are looking for something to give them meaning in life, I want to share the Urantia book because I believe it has profound importance. And this is why. Because, see, we're in a period now 
where there really is a heightened ideological struggle. And we have to be aware of that. Let me read to you this from paper 173. This is Jesus cleaning the temple on his last day in Jerusalem. This is just a few days before he gets arrested. In fact, it was the provoking uh, thing that actually got the Sanhedrin to file charges, if you will, if I got that right. It says, The cleansing of the temple discloses the master's attitude toward commercializing the practices of religion as well as his detestation of all forms of unfairness and profiteering at the expense of the poor and the unlearned. This episode also demonstrates that Jesus did not look with approval upon the refusal to employ force to protect the majority of any given human group against the unfair and enslaving practices of unjust minorities who may be able to entrench themselves behind political, financial, or ecclesiastical power. Themselves shrewd, wicked, and designing men are not to be permitted to organize themselves for the exploitation and oppression of those who, because of their idealism, are not disposed to resort to force for self-protection or for the furtherance of their laudable life projects. Can you see how that is very much in play with what we're seeing now with all the human trafficking and the obsession with sexualizing children for profit? I mean, that's a pretty bold statement, but for those of us who, who dare to read, we see that what's going on here is that evil is rampant and people have been blinded. I thought it was strange that our own president made some comment today in referring to conservatives who he said accuses Democrats of sucking blood out of children. Why would the president say that? We have to really look at the times that we're in. And one of the things that I write in my book about the Arantia book is that I think it's going to recrystallize Christianity. I think that the Arantia book is going to bring new life to the appeal of Christianity. If Christians can get on board, that's I'm hoping they will. But let me read this paragraph here. This is about the last of the Sumerians. Uh, this is from paper 78, 8, and then 6. So 78, section 8, paragraph 6. And it reads, And the invaders from the north soon learned to trust and prize these peace-loving Sumerians as able teachers and administrators. This is around 3000 B.C., uh, when the invaders were busy taking out all of the little pockets of civilization. These were northern invasion hordes. These were like just barbarians. Uh, but the Sumerians were able to push back against them. They lived down near the uh, uh, Persian Gulf region. Paper 7885. When these barbarian cavalrymen from the northeast overran the whole Euphrates Valley, they did not conquer the remnants of the Andites who dwelt about the mouth of the river on the Persian Gulf. These Sumerians were able to defend themselves because of superior intelligence, better weapons. They were a united people because they had a uniform group religion. They were thus able to maintain their racial and national integrity long after their neighbors to the northwest were broken up into isolated city-states. None of these city groups were able to overcome the United Sumerians. The United States, if it's going to remain strong and a beacon of leadership to the world, then we have to become 
religious. We have to become unifiedly religious. And I don't know if that can happen right now, and that's what concerns me. That's really what concerns me the most. You know, the message from the Sumerians is that we have to have a united moral front. And I don't think that that currently exists because there's too much infighting going on in our country. We also learn from Joshua's passage about the cleansing of the temple. The good people of this earth have to fight back. They're going to have to get a little rough. I mean, I'm not at all happy about the United States sending cluster bombs to Ukraine. I think we're putting ourselves on a path towards World War III. I'm cautiously optimistic that the angels and the Most Highs do rule in the kingdoms of men. I have faith in that. I have faith that the the teachings uh, of Jesus will prevail and that once he is untangled from the political and social uh, morass of the Western culture and more people begin to realize just how significant he was uh, to not only humanity but to the universe, I think that we've got a real good shot at the Arantia book helping to aid in the spiritual rejuvenation of our planet. And if we can get the right people on board, look at what we have here. Look at where we are in our history and put the two together. This isn't the first time that God has tried to speak to us. The Bible is a profound record of our attempt to find truth, which is that we are children of a loving creator. Um, And so before we conclude our episode, and again, I thank you for stopping by my contact information on the screen, but it's uh, Radio at gmail.com. And of course, urantiaradio.net is always a good place to start because we list our podcasts there, articles, and all the community events that are going on with the various Urantia associations. So we'll leave it there. And I hope that you can uh, appreciate some of the points that I made today. And we'll be back again on another edition of the Arantia Radio Podcast. Until next time, God bless.